and welcome to the 200th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast that's all about board games and the people who love board games. On this episode, I'm joined by the whole gosh dang team. We've got <gasps> Quentin Smith. Hello, Tom Brewster. We've got Ava Foxfort. Hello, Tom Brewster and Quentin Smith. And we've got Matthew Lees. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, what the heck was that? That That's was just, very... I, I didn't want to go around full circle following on from Ava, so I thought I'd just pretend to be a Muppet. So we're going to do something a little bit special this time, right, Tom? We are. We are going to compile. This is something we've not done before. We're going to compile a definitive list. What? A concise, a clear, a powerful list. No. Of the top 10 board games that you should play. You must be stopped. And Matt pointed out that it's it's implied that it's that you should play before you die. Yeah. But we're not going to think about that. <laughs> Which is top 10 games you must play, bracket, before you die. If you think you can play yeah. them after you die, then good for you. I'm really chuffed for you. <laughs> I'm not convinced about that. But if you think so, wicked. Good for you. Maybe we genuinely put a positive spin on it and say it's the top 10 board games you should take to heaven. Yeah, I mean... That's not oh, positive. No, that's, that's a different that's... thing as, as well, though. Shall I explain the format for the good people at home? Yes, the, the please. The solid scientific format. So here's the way this is going to work. We are going to go around in a circle. Each of us will take turns suggesting a game that may or may not make it into the top 10 list of the 10 definitive... Well, it's not a top 10, is it? It's the definitive scientific 10 games you should play. Um, and then the rest of us, the remaining three people, will say yay or nay, in a kind of like Roman gladiatorial style, thumbs will be raised or noises will be made as to yeah or no. Have we decided on if we need total consensus to add a game into the canon? I think we need total consensus. Yeah. I think that's okay, more fun. Okay. Well, right. We're going to be here for eight hours. <laughs> we're going to 12th man the heck out of this. Uh, uh, let's put a sting in for the important psychological barrier because I think this is going to be an exhausting process. <laughs> I'm good to go first with, I think, maybe the only game on my list we will all agree on, asterisk, I hope so. <laughs> okay. okay. Hit us with the first game that's going to get into heaven. Okay. I think everybody should play the best example of a cooperative game that is also the best example of a legacy game. I think everybody should play Pandemic Legacy Season 1. We're doubling up here because, honestly, I think there's a good argument here that Everybody should play Pandemic. I think it is one of the cleanest, simplest, best board game designs of all time. Not of just like the last 10 years, but ever. Thanks, Matt Leacock. And then also Pandemic Legacy Season 1. It's your descriptive legacy mechanics. It is, in, to my mind, not only one of the first, one of the best legacy games. It's full of surprises. People die. You put a sticker on London and go, no one goes to London anymore. That's my pitch. Pandemic Legacy Season 1. If you, I hope you all agree with me on this, because if you don't now, it's all going to be... <laughs> <laughs> I think I do agree. Pandemic Legacy is one of the games, Quinns, that I've got bolded on my list. It's oh, in bold. That means that it's a surefire yay from me. I completely agree. It's a great cooperative game. Why would you get Pandemic Regular Pandemic when you could have the legacy version. Not only is it one of the best cooperative games of all time, it's also got freaky stuff happening in it. Mm. It's it's a surefire win. It's gotta happen. And it's a great it was sort of my entryway into legacy games. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm genuinely nervous because the fact that we need group consensus is like <laughs> I have to sit here and wait for all three of you to go, yeah. So Ava, Ava, what do you think? 
Um, uh, like, right, so, from my experience in anarchist organising groups, there's such a thing as a stand aside, which is where you don't necessarily fully consent, but you're not going to block the process, right? Like and this. that's where I'm at with Pandemic Legacy Season 1. I got halfway through a campaign and various things fell apart and we didn't get to go any further with it. That was frustrating and I wasn't having the most amazing time with it up to that point. Now, wow. despite that, I think that's just because I don't really like Pandemic that much and like it didn't quite hit what it was supposed to for the group that I was with. I can tell from the experience that everyone else is getting with it that this is a wonderful game for like 99.9% of the people and it's just that I'm a big weirdo. As we will see mm. by my suggestions later in this session. <laughs> it's a shame that you only got halfway through as well because all, all the stuff gets real interesting just after that halfway point starts to be... Yep starts to really ratchet up at the point where you think, where's this going? It's like, we're going over here. And you're like, oh my God, who's driving this car? <laughs> um, I, I agree. I think, it, I think it's in. I think it's, it's almost, it uncomfortably sits in that same position as some, at the same spot as some of those early roll and write games of being like, hey, wow, this is a cool new thing. And then like nothing better than that comes out for, for like ever. Um, ages yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah i think it just smashes it they haven't even really been able to follow it on like zero was fun i liked it a lot two was kind of a bit wonky didn't land but the first one yeah what a treat i think i think that's a fair one i think it's a fair gambit to open with. <sighs> what a relief okay now i don't know if discord uh shows us the same orientation of screens but to me i want to go clockwise which i believe is ava now in the top left oh that's not how it is for me but it's fine uh, you be okay. the arbiter what a mat relief cock okay. that yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that even a pun? Can someone that explain even a joke? No. Matt Leacock is a person who was involved yeah. in Pandemic Legacy. And you said, yeah. what a relief. And, I and the joke ends there. there. And a relief cock is... <laughs> Come on. Go on. You've worked with me for like a decade now. I don't make jokes. I just say things. And sometimes they're funny. All right? Ava... Ava, steer us into number two on this list. What do you got? Right, I'm going to go, first of all, with what I think is my only fairly safe bet on this list. Oh, no, I know I've done what Quinn's does and I'm going to uh, just did. And I'm going to... Now I've done what Quinn's just did and I feel like I've just added a lot more pressure onto it because I've described it as a safe bet. <laughs> but I am doing it anyway. My first pick is The Mind. Mm. Oh. which I think people should play because I don't think there is a better demonstration of how magic sitting around a table with looking at your friends' faces can be. I have played this with so many different people. It is a simple, barely a game game where you end up making weird noises and feeling like family with whoever you're playing with. And that's the most important thing in board games, in my opinion. So I am slamming this down on the table and ignoring the like 90s rave flyer art and just saying, <laughs> yes, please, the mind. And then I'm going to look at you to try and indicate what I want you to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in straight away and say that actually this was the second game on my list for this specific wow. uh, remit because I've got to say like the mind is not a game that I own. It's not a game I'm interested in owning. It's not a game I'm interested in playing anymore. However, I do feel the same way as Ava. <laughs> it's something that everyone should experience, and because it is such an immediate magic box of going, here's a the thing. There's not really any rules. Now you are going to watch a collective magic trick happen, and I think it's just such an 
it's such a fabulous way of introducing people to the possibility of the hobby in the fact that people can go, well, what's this? There's nothing here. And then like, actually there is something amazing there um, with so little um, to hold it together. You know, I think it's a really bright example of, of everything analog games can be. The simplicity of having a simple idea that can conjure up something more just via the medium of humans. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't put it in my top 10 games, my favorite games, but if, if things you've got to play, I think that's fair, personally. Mm. What do you think, Tom? Are we going to put the crew on this list? Mm. Well, that's the thing. Is there's a space that they overlap with, right? And I think that the crew yeah. is a better game, if I'm honest. Very, very easily a better game, but it's it's more of a game. It's more fiddly. It's less immediate. There's less of a kind of like what the hell is happening kind of magic to it. What I'm thinking is, imagine you're at a board game convention and someone offhandedly mentions they've never played the crew. I would say, oh, you should play it. It's great. Someone says they've never played the mind. I go, we need to go to the board game library right now so you can you can experience this. Um, I, what I really like what you said, Ava, is that it's one of very few board games where you look up at people. And I do think that is absolutely priceless. Like it's about body language, it's about eye contact, it's about like it's you 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 almost feel like you're becoming the same person. The counterpoint I've got is I felt the same way as you, and I showed it to uh, a, a girl I know who does not play any board games, thinking she, this would be like a revelatory moment for her. And after you know, like playing around, we won a round, we lost a round, we won a round. She said, why are we doing this? <laughs> and it, and I, I was just speechless. It was like a knife in my heart, but I don't think that that miserable experience of mine is a, if anything, I think how badly I felt when she didn't get it is evidence of how important this game is and how it's almost like a litmus test of do you understand play? And I don't think that woman understood play at I mean, all. I have had that, that same thing said to me about like, Euro games or whatever. I have had that same thing said after like, what's the point in this? Like with lots of different games. And I think there are some people who are just cold and dead inside and we have to just comfort them in any way we can and accept that, you know, all games aren't for them. Um, but, and the but mind yeah, is like the lowest cut. cost effort to just like whistle those people out of your board game crew. <laughs> out of your life. Yeah. Or in the lowest cost like of whittling this. games out of your life. Of just being like, they go, what's the point in this? And you go, yeah, good point. I don't know. And you put it in the recycling and you never play games ever again. You know, like it's, it's an easy, it's a low cost investment, I think. Uh, it's a thumbs up from me, Ava. Uh, if, if I think Tom might be our only, our only tentative. Yes and I respect that. that. Like I, I'm got to stick by your guns. But, but I think, I mean, I might. I'll, I think I'll concede to the mine now because I know that Ava's got picks that I'll more vehemently disagree with later. <laughs> <laughs> it, okay, so far it's a strong list. Pandemic Legacy Season One, and our game number two is the Mind. Uh, Matt, what is your first suggestion? Oh, good gosh. Well, I mean, oh, right. You know what? I'm going to go in with one that's a bit more on the line here, a bit more like weird, because I think that it's about time we said no to something. I've got War for the Ring on, on my list here, quite high. Uh... Now, I wouldn't recommend that most people play this game. I wouldn't recommend most people buy this game. It's a head-to-head -head It's really great on a list of game. games you should play. But... It, you know, it takes like three or four hours. It's a two-player game. The first time you play it, it might be quite frustrating, but then you play it again, and it's incredible. I think it just it does something and is something that I just cannot find anywhere else, and there's nothing else that's quite like it. And I feel like if 
you play games and you want to kind of feel the full breadth of the hobby, if you don't understand the appeal of war games, but you do like Lord of the Rings, then it's just it just opened up my eyes to an entire world of of games that I'd not been able to see eye to eye with. And I found that experience really wonderful. But if we're talking about the 10 games that you have to play, I do understand if people are like, nah. And you wouldn't get it out after the mind. You wouldn't be like, right, you like that? Right, we're in. So <laughs> this is a goblin. You'll need to remember that. Well, mainly if you got it out after the mind, you'd probably have to tell the other like three people at the table that it's time for them to go home. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm going to need that space. So yeah, if you can finish that burger as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking as the person who did the the War for the Ring review with you, Matt, you know, I love this game to pieces. I still desperately want to try the expansions that add like Ents and Christopher Lee and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to me, saying to our entire listenership to this podcast that you should play War for the Ring, it, it's like issuing a criminal sentence. It's like they all have to find it. I know. They have to learn it. Yeah. They have to play it twice. Well, maybe. Like, I mean, I feel like at a convention you could get away with somebody else kind of teaching you and helping you out and you could do it in one game. I don't know. All I'm going to say to you, Quinn, is somebody who has played it a few times, obviously, because we reviewed it. If I was to say to you now, you've never played that game, do you think, do you ah. feel you, uh, before you die, do, do you feel that you've got to play that game? Because I would. That's a really good argument and if you were to say to me you know reduce your collection down to 10 games like you know admittedly i did get rid of my copy of War for the Ring, <laughs> but realistically that's because that's i got rid of my copy because i didn't think i would play it yes. again but that's a different question 100%. To, if you hadn't tried it do you wish you had oh you're really you've, re you've really argued me round. i think i've got i'm gonna have to throw over to tom and ava because I, I i'm not gonna stand in the way of this unless they do ava okay right so <laughs> I am really tempted to put this in because I know that this is the only way I'm going to get a card-driven war game into this list, <laughs> right? So, like, it is not my choice for that slot, if there was a slot. Um, I think there are other things that are less convoluted, less uh, frustrating in how Byzantine they are but tend to have war themes which are inherently like less exciting to people than fantastical war themes, particularly Lord of the Rings, which a lot of people are very aware of. Well, maybe at this um, point we need to have a deflect mechanic where if you do think, no, it's not this, it's something else in the same in the same area, then maybe you have to say, I'm deflecting to this. And if everyone agrees, then the discussion is derailed and changed to another game. Oh. I think Ava's absolutely right, though. We're not going to put Twilight Struggle in this. We're not going to put, like, no. Cuba Libre or La Labyrinth in this Combat Commander, uh, 1989, Draw of Freedom, Maria. No, yes. no. It's not. I mean, <laughs> like, Combat Commander is, 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 is like... I, uh, but I, but no, I don't ever want to play this game ever. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Tom, are you vetoing this? I'm sorry I've spent so long just sitting in the shadows, but this game does not appeal to me at all. I don't want to spend four hours pushing orcs around. Lord of the Rings is boring and oh. I don't care about it. I think that's, you know, Tom, I think you're a dirty little groblin who belongs in a cave, <laughs> frankly. I just want to, don't want to mince my words, but I do understand that. I think for our generation particularly, it's like Lord of the Rings is a really good cultural touch point. It's like, it's like the pre-Game of Thrones of being like, this is a really nerdy thing that is actually quite acceptable in the mainstream to enjoy and like. And by that, it's because it's like, it became a really good... Um, 
opening for getting into nerdier stuff or getting people who usually would be like, no, I'm not doing orcs and dragons to be like, no, but it's Lord of the Rings, like the films. And they go, all right, yeah, no, okay, fine. Um, but I do appreciate that you are younger than us. And because of that, you just weren't hugely enamored by Viggo Mortensen's haircuts in the way that we were. And so it doesn't mm. have oh, that. They were so good. Yeah, they were. They were great. <laughs> and it just doesn't have that power over you. Um, so, no, I think you're right. I think I think Tom's correct. And uh, th- this game, you don't have to play it. You don't have to play it. Tom, what if this game was themed around not J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, but was a four-hour war game themed around Roblox. SpongeBob SquarePants? <laughs> Indie bands that I can't remember the names of. <laughs> yeah, all of these things Steely Dan. deeply appealed to my... Oh, a Steely Dan war game? I'd play that. Also, I like that previously it was Matt and Quinns were, were poking fun at me for being young and then you just made me sound like I was a million years old. Like, <laughs> outing me as a Dan fan. Uh, uh, okay, well, War for the Ring then. It's not going in. Tom, uh, would you like a fourth suggesting total for the number three slot? I guess I will, I'll sort of use a semi-deflect mechanic and say that if we're thinking about event games, if we're thinking about big experience games that are going to take up several hours of your time and that you should play, it was going to come up at some point. We're going to talk Crocodile. about Twilight Imperium, maybe. Uh... <laughs> I don't know whether, I've soured on Twilight Imperium over the years, but I have a huge affection for it as being one of the games that got me into board games. I am often saying that it is one of my group's gateway games uh, because they were so enamored with the idea of just being space nerds for several dozens of hours at a time uh, that I think that everyone should probably give it a go at some point because it's one of those games that there really is nothing else like, except for maybe Eclipse. But I've not played Eclipse, so <laughs> that doesn't, it's irrelevant. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you two think? I, I mean, it was on my I, list, and I, I didn't choose this one last time because I thought it would be another another shoe-in, so I thought I'd go for something a bit odd. I I agree with Tom, and I think it's interesting you say sour on it because I don't think... Because you are sour on, you little evil groblin. Get back in your cave. <laughs> no, I, I think that, like, we talk about souring on board games, but really that is dangerously close to when you see a Steam review for a video game where someone says, I've played this for a thousand hours and it's boring. You know, I think mm. uh, I get that you're there with TI um, and I'm there with lots of similar games and I'll probably get there with TI soon, if I'm honest. But the time I had when it was this blazing, incredible thing was just so special and still is. I might be playing TI this weekend, so I'm still kind of in it. But <laughs> I do think that, yeah, with the right group of people, there's caveats to it, right? But I think there's caveats to any social game. With the right group of people, it is. I don't think there's anything like it. And I think there's things that are close. And I think Eclipse is probably a better war game. But I don't know if it has... Yeah, hmm. Eclipse, is, Eclipse is the war game, but with less of the politics and less of the cultural baggage, less of the storytelling. And this is kind of the thing, right, is that the thing with Twilight Imperium is that if I was doing this list kind of on my own, I would be considering deflecting it in two directions, right? Because... I am also considering deflecting it. Yeah. We're having a deflect of a deflect. Oh, God. Because I think Eclipse gives you one half of that experience better and Oath gives you one half of that experience Uh, Better. Can I can I trip can I triple deflect? Oh my word! I don't can know, I put the king's dilemma in here as well? That? Have we, oh, wait, have we done what? a risk assessment? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I would say I'm just going to. I would love. Sorry, I'm just going to jump in here and say the fact that we have just deflected this in about eight different directions is indicative of why it is so special. 
That's that's kind of, and I think that it's easy for us to look at this, having played it a lot, and then played other things, and be like, oh, this does this better, this does this better, that it's just such a weird, messy hodgepodge of things that I feel like picking apart the things it doesn't do as well and looking at all these different strains of game that do individual parts of it way, way better, it's kind of missing the point. But sorry, go ahead, Gwyns, go ahead, I'm jumping in. Uh, no, this is this is a really interesting, sticky point, and it's it's exactly why we were talking about this podcast. Maybe taking us two hours before we started the record. Um, I I do think Twilight Imperium is a sticky hodgepodge, but I don't think we can deflect it in like eight different ways. I think we might be able to deflect it in a couple, and I I just don't know if I can tell people to that they have to play something that involves so many different substats for destroyers versus carriers <laughs> versus you know that, that adds so little to the game. I would deflect and say, look, if we want negotiation, if we want dudes on a map, and I do think there should be a dudes on a map game in this list, but also that people can play quickly, that's relatively easy to learn. How do you lot feel about starting by putting Inish on this list? <laughs> that is a, that's less of a deflect as it is like an almost complete U-turn. No, we need to... I don't know. The thing that so much of us get from Twilight Imperium is like, is, is discussion, is negotiation combined with war. And I think Inish gives that in 45 minutes rather but than... This is where I think... No, but I think hours. taking a day doing it, doing it slowly and having that experience is what I am mostly looking for here. And that's why I don't actually deflect in those two directions. I think for this list... Twilight Imperium. I kind of hate it because I think there is already a bit of an attitude in like the gaming scene. Oh, you have to try Twilight Imperium because it's this big, hard, difficult thing. And like, oh, it'll be you're not real if you haven't done it for twelve hours. Uh, pardon. Um, and <laughs> I think that that is a wrong attitude to take. But I think that so many more people could play Twilight Imperium than think they can. Because at this point in the fourth edition, it is so much more streamlined, so much easier to play. There's so much support around it that makes it easier to play. People have analysed the best ways to teach this and explain it to people. And I want it to go in this list just barely. I th Can I tell you the the thought experiment that I'm at is like the the, the games industry is you know changing so much in recent years, and if we're talking about shut up and sit down, ten games you have to play. Imagine you're four people walking into a game shop and you have no interest in sci-fi, you have no interest in war gaming, you have no interest in systems just for the sake of systems. I think if we were framing this as like the ten games that like anyone, but we're we're doing this for people, an audience who listen to podcasts about board games as well, crucially. And I think like putting together a list of things as people who play tons of things, the things that we think offer experiences or quality that are so strong that you just think, yeah, you got to try this at some point. And it's yeah. really interesting, right? Because I think that. I think that the interesting thing about TI is it's really easy to look at it and go, yeah, you can get this experience cleaner in a short amount of time. Yeah, you can get this experience, but without all the setup faff, without all the too many numbers, etc. But I really do feel like the thing about TI which makes it magical is the same thing that makes it kind of bad. It's too much. Everything is just a bit too much. And it's more than you can keep in your head. And I think that's kind of why it works. Because what happens then is people don't remember exactly what's going on. People can't really calculate it. And obviously some people who play this game can. And I think they play the game very differently to me. But it means that you end up just being bullshy and being odd and not really knowing what you can do or if you can pull something off. And I actually, last time I played it, got somebody who to play who had never played a board game, really. Never played a modern board game. And it was the first game that they'd ever played. It was a game of TI. <laughs> and for the first 40 minutes, admittedly, they were looking around the room a little bit confused and slightly scared. But then about two hours in, they suddenly were just grinning. And 
they just they loved it because it was just it was like the first time we played a mega game of just being like what is this like you know what 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 is going on yeah. here and the fact that like oh yeah now we enter this politics phase like you're playing for three and a half hours and then suddenly you're like <laughs> right now there's a whole new phase of the game that gets introduced <laughs> it's just stupid and I think that it leans I into wish that, that stupid politics phase was better oh well no but I think this is the key part of it is as soon as you start to realise that that game does not need to be this fair, balanced, mechanical, careful game that some people want it yeah. to be. You just do what some of my friends have done. If you go through that politics deck and you just remove all the stuff that is boring. And that's it. <laughs> like, you just make it so all the politics stuff is interesting. And then it's better. In a, in a win for debate in the year 2022 and changing people's minds, you've convinced me. I think Twilight Imperium 4th Edition should be on this list. I think as well, I'm just thinking of the, the final aspect of it is that because it contains all these things, it's a good way of pointing you into different games in the sense that once you have played this it's a barometer on what you should play next almost oh you like the war gaminess of twilight imperium you should play eclipse oh you like the narrative you like the storytelling maybe you should play something like the king's dilemma oh you like the shifting allegiances maybe you should play inish mm. i think that 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 would be my, my argument for it but we've covered i think that's is that four thumbs i feel like that's four thumbs uh ava thumb from yeah, you yeah, yeah just barely just barely <laughs> i know it's such a complicated one because it's more because of cultural baggage that i don't quite want to put it in there but i think that's because i just want to say when we say should play we don't mean it is it okay to cut, <laughs> undercut the entire point halfway through like play yeah, what you yeah, want to play what you want to play play what you want to play don't be don't be an asshole and no, say I, that if you haven't played this you want be... something or whatever like but these are these are things that we really want people to play because we think that they will have good time with it and that we think that they will explore something new we're going to go back to saying shit now right but the list is not the list is not you're not a gamer if you haven't yeah. played these it's like matt says it's before you die try and do it it's like kick it down the road and besides in 10 years this list would be completely different anyway so secretly, i think no one as well when we say you should play it we just mean you should play it because we think you'd have an interesting time and we think that it's something that offers something that's really good it's not like if you haven't played these things then in any way you're doing anything wrong I, yeah we should definitely clarify that because it's like do what you want play what you want live life love is it prosecco o'clock <laughs> <laughs> okay uh my turn to suggest something for the fourth slot that i don't know if it'll get in but we'll see um let's talk about social deduction um a huge part of the hobby's history um and uh, a controversial and divisive part with uh, our recent review of blood on the clock tower but i'm not going to be suggesting blood on the clock tower as much as it's my favorite social deduction game i'm not going to wind back the clock and suggest the resistance even though i think a lot of people would argue it's the best um, I'm going to suggest Werewolf. Um, and well, I could also be convinced to include the resistance because I think that if you've never played a social deduction game, you know, I think one of those games should be on the list. But the reason I like Werewolf is actually because I'm a history nerd. I like Werewolf because it's a folk game that dates back to, that was invented right. in the Soviet I, I Union. I thought you were going to claim that werewolves I, were real historically for a moment. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I just want to connect with humanity's deep history with werewolves. And I don't think that makes me weird. No, I uh, like the resistance is a better game. And if you lot think we include, should include the resistance, great. Um, my, I think, feel like, I don't know. It's werewolf that is the, the core of like Among Us, you know, popular internet video game sensation i think i don't know what, what do you what do you folks think i wonder if it's a game that werewolf or variations on werewolf are now because of games like among us mm. are things that 
almost like too many people have experienced to turn it into like you should play this board game because they've kind of already played this board game yeah although werewolf or the additions you get now have roles like the seer and all the other crazy stuff like you know the lovers that people don't usually i guess it's more if we if we it's more stuff like it it's frustrating because i think that now the games like secret hitler are just so big and everyone's played them and and often if you talk about games people go people go oh have you played this and i do think that like even though it's got some mechanical stuff that makes it a bit sharper than kind of vanilla werewolf i just think that it's not as good (laughs) and i feel like there i agree with you (laughs) quins in the fact that i think there is something specifically about werewolf that actually none of the other games managed to conjure even it upsets me when I discover that people have been playing Werewolf as Mafia, which I just think is just boring, you know? Like, to be like, who's the bad <laughs> boss mob person, rather than like... I think Mafia is a cooler theme. Really? I Werewolf. disagree. Yeah, I think my so. Understanding, I find Werewolves a bit boring. My understanding is it started off as Mafia as well, like if we're going for Quince's historical yeah. origins. Oh, I would actually yeah. quite oh, wow. recommend nice. taking a look at the, no pun included, Blood on the Clock Tower thing, because they do a full history of the history of werewolf that is really interesting and it's not what <laughs> everyone thinks it is so we, we, we so, so the we mafia think? invented werewolves is that yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. werewolves <laughs> are oh. real and they were invented by um no pun included al capone now i just think i well, I, Tom's, I, Tom, I just think that like i'm interested that that tom thinks mafia is cooler but i think from my experience and i think quinn's has had similar experiences be the, the simplicity of being able to just be in a slightly dark room and light, light some candles to then conjure up some genuinely weird, fearful vibes and having that kind of gothic horror undertones of people being torn apart. Plus, I do think that if you're playing a game where fundamentally you are opposed to the entire room secretly and you are kind of singled out as being like you're against everyone and having to lie everyone, the idea that you are something like a werewolf, something the thing that transforms into something dangerous and powerful is an additional kind of card up your sleeve. It does help you kind of feel more empowered and dangerous in the context of being kind of alone in this asymmetric game in a way that I don't think any other games manage in the way of being like, you're an evil person. Whereas like, I'm a wolf, I'm going to kill you all, is 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 horrible. But I do agree with Tom that it's like, it's just culturally so out there now that do people need to play it? Or was it something that our generation 10 years ago were like, everyone should play this, but now do, do they? I mean, I, it's very, it's an easy decision. I can scrub this from the list and we can move on without including a resistance. or. A oh, I just think it's it really like interesting. I think it's a really interesting <laughs> problem. I think that there is a thing of like, if we're thinking that this is completely ubiquitous, like then that means it doesn't need to be on this list. But also maybe it's really important for the people who it doesn't apply to should be on this list. But I also, despite kind of wanting to set a precedent for, I think we should include something in this family of games for my own personal (laughs) reasons, personal strategic reasons. I think that, I think my problem is that I think people should play some game in this genre, definitely, at some point. Although some people should be aware that if they have a panic attack every time that they are the werewolf, then they should probably stop at that point because that's me and I still do it even though there's a risk that it'll happen every time because I think they're so interesting and so exciting and I can just about barely take the heart attack that actually being evil gives me like once a year or so. But... 
I do think Blood on the Clock Tower is better than Werewolf and more interesting and more thematic and more exciting. I do think that Resistance and Avalon are like much like smoother processes that don't involve creating a horror for people and I do think that there's probably other things out there that we haven't tried that do that stuff more interestingly and like I don't I don't know I don't know whether to put this in I would also actually kind of push for blood in the clock tower as a thing that you need to try at least once in the sense that it is it does so much with that system in shaving off sort of some of the rough edges but also adding sort of rough edge actually no i take that back it doesn't shave off any rough edges it's the whole hog yeah it's the roughest <laughs> edge of that genre possible it's, it's the twilight imperium of social it's 100 percent. it's 100 percent. it's it's 100 percent hog and i do think that i think that's where i'm landing in terms of the fact that wealth and 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 to a lesser extent well to a greater extent among us are now so like culturally everywhere that it's more impressive to be showing someone that you should take a, a punt on something like Blood on the Clock Tower, which is doing something so different. And it's showing yeah. you what games can be in a sort of more, in a, in a, in a bigger way, I in, wanna, a, in a more grandiose and I want to jump in with two small counterpoints here, though. In that, First of all, I've heard from lots of people who've played Blood on the Clock Tower for the first time and been excited about it. There does seem to be now a problem within that world that there are some people who, because it is really cool, have got so into it that people often have their first game experience with people who are so rules knowledgeable that they kind of play the game in oh, a different way. To me as well. And that's happened to like most people yeah. I've spoken to and be like, oh, how was it? And I keep hearing this story, which means it's like, it's definitely become more of a thing where it's like, okay, but you, ha it's like going Smash Brothers on the N64 or the GameCube, like you have to play it all at the same time. You can't have a couple of people go and play it for 10 hours and then join in because it's just not fun anymore. And I, I think that's <laughs> the thing. And also I've got to say, I feel like I'm, I feel like over the past few years, I've been shifting away from, um, games that involve social deduction or lying and I, th I wonder really if it's almost like the cyberpunk thing you know of, of of the fact that you do get to a point where it's like gritty dark things I kind of feel like that's maybe something that's enjoyable in times where things are kind of okay and now I feel like I get less joy from it used to feel exciting and to be like, we're going to sit and lie to each other and be horrible for a few hours I used to love that stuff and now I kind of feel like increasingly I'm like, I don't know if I want that and I do feel like maybe that is just a kind of broader world thing, but I don't know. I definitely have a bit of that. But one thing that I want to say in favour of Blood and the Clock Tower that possibly gives us an out here where it doesn't go on this list and it goes somewhere else is that the reason why I think Blood and the Clock Tower is a better version of it doesn't really come down to any of the rules thing so much as looking through that rule book, it is so attentive to holding a space in difficult circumstances mm. it goes through so many details of like the awkward social situations that can arise as a result of that game gives you some tools with how to deal with it and all of that and i do think that i would like people who are really into running games and holding spaces to at least read the rule book to this game because i think that there is some <laughs> skills and stuff that it teaches you here that makes that's part of what like this board game cared about creating a community around it that ideally didn't create something where like people new people would come in and they'd be overwhelmed by the torrent of wolves because that's my experience of werewolf i first properly played werewolf with a meetup group that had been meeting once a week for years and it was 
they were such lovely people and it was basically hell um (laughs) (laughs) well i'll tell you what here's what i'm gonna do i'm going to tentatively hold the 10th spot for blood on the clock tower um and then we can try and convince matt well we shifted it'll depend on how tired we are in an hour's time i i I don't know i don't know i i I don't know but let's come back to it uh pin uh so pin there and then ava would you like to try and suggest our fourth slot again um uh, i am going to go for it matainai i don't care i want everyone to play it oh i know it's not going in but i love it so much with all of my heart there's a couple of games here like i was going to put in mage knight and try and argue with you but like i know that's just going straight in the bin especially when it said that because i don't even think i really think everyone should play it i just think i want to play it forever but matai knight is a game <laughs> that i think is so kind and sweet and powerful whilst just being a two or three or you can play up to five but it gets a bit off the rails at that point and I think there is nothing else quite like it apart from all of his other games, but this is the best one. I'm going to, I, I think would... I was going to propose that we give Ava exactly 30 seconds to talk about why Matayana is great before we all say no. I was going to say before we all suggest, well, before you and I might suggest innovation instead, if we want a Carl Chudik game. And, I, and then I would then say no to that. Matayana <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, is a game about running Buddhist monasteries in a very weird way. It uses cards in interesting ways by giving them four different things that they can do, including a unique action on them that completely breaks the rules of the games for the person who gets to build them and takes them through a process of like pulling them from the middle. It's full of like abstract language, like monking means to take someone from the middle and put it under your helper's side and that means you'll be better at doing that thing in the future and putting things to your craft bench and it is arcane and it is weird but it is sweet and meditative and it is a beautiful experience that I want more people to have because it fills my heart with a kind experimental joy which is one of my favorite bits of me and this game is an expression of that you can put it in the bin now I know it's not really going to get on this list (laughs) <laughs> I've just heard everyone says it's impossible to learn. Like it's one of the most inscrutable board games of all time. Which, and I don't mean that as a comment on the kind of person you are, if it's a little bit of you, Ava. Hopefully the inscrutable part of Matai and I isn't the bit of Ava that's... Uh, a little bit. I, I haven't like... played it, so I can't, I can't in all good faith allow it into this list. Which is cruel, yep. but here we are. We've reached the crunch now, I think. That's two rejections in a row. Matt, do you want to try for our fourth slot? All right, let's see what I got. <laughs> <laughs> Temptation to shout Jenga is huge. Um, <laughs> Imagine if someone hadn't played Jenga. Well, that would be crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess they exist. Well, that's our cop out. Is like is, you've is, not played Monopoly, you have to. Like, like number ten is Twister. I am going to chuck in here now. Um, I'm actually going to say Crocodile. Hmm. And I'm going to say Crocodile just because of the fact that I think that a lot of things like Jenga, etc., fun games, good games, but I do feel like people are like, oh, you know, I know what this is. Uh, you know, I think people have a feeling about what dexterity games are, and I think there's a tendency to feel like they are just for children or when you've had four pints. And I, I think that it's something that's been around for such a long time, and obviously it has become more popularised and more common now, largely thanks to the video that Quinn's made, if we're being completely honest. But I still think like it's it's not necessarily something that everyone should own, obviously, or can own. To get a really nice board is expensive, they're big, but I just think it's such a wonderful experience, it's such a wonderful game that it really does open up your mind to the simplicity of, of that kind of small-scale motion. 
of 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 analog games in a way that I think is is really quite special, and I'm really glad I got to play it for a bit because it's like, yeah, this is this is really cool. There's nothing quite like this. It is the only de- like Tom. You've talked about um, dexterity games a lot before. I believe you might have just released a video which includes your five rules for dexterity games. No, it doesn't. I cut a lot out of that video. But <laughs> like, okay, but if, well, I mean, maybe now's a good time for me to. To, to, to shout aloud my five rules for dexterity games that got cut out of the video. I like it. Do it. Go for it. Okay. Rule number one is the game needs to basically do one thing. You just need to do one thing, and that one thing needs to be really good. Yep. Because that's rule mm-hmm. number two. The one thing you do needs to be really satisfying. Yep. The third mm-hmm. rule is you should make it kind of small. You should make it kind of a small little game so that you can bring it places you can show it to people. Rule number four is if uh, you can't make it small, make it really big. Uh, Your <laughs> game should be absolutely flipping massive yeah. so that people can crowd around it and have a good time. And the last rule is it should be tough. It should be a difficult game to do the sort of basic actions in so that people go, ah, whatever they do, I... anything in it. I'm going to say that I do want a dexterity game on this list. Um, I think it's good to keep that kind of like physical side of board games, you know, like alive and relevant. And I'm always there for, to like try and point out the link that pool is technically a board game and we should proclaim <laughs> that as the board game industry. Um, and I think should, if I want a game dexterity- be pool. No, no, seriously, Quince, you've just stolen it. my point, which was going to be that like the thing with Crocodile is that I would absolutely adore it. And I would say yes to it going on this list if it was a game that was in like most pubs in the country and you could just go to a bar and there was a crocodile board that was really well maintained or maybe they need a version of it that's like easier to maintain and like has a set of rules if... that have been developed for a long time it's like oh no i'm describing pool now but then yeah that's the thing is but if that was the case it wouldn't need to be on this list because we don't say to people hey before you in your life you've got to just check out this game called snooker or pool you've got to have a go at it because it's like people are going to do that whereas for this, it's like to play it, you're probably going to have to go slightly out of your way. It's going to have to be like on the lookout for it and being like, oh, that's a crocodile table. Can I have a go on that? Like, and you will get the chance, but it's not something that everyone knows about. But I think it, it kind of is as good as pool, if not better. Yeah, honestly, I think, you. yes, it's hard to find Ava, but you will find it at every board game convention. And, you know, like... Uh, and every wealthy board game owner's house, so you know, just try and catfish them or something. Um, but if we've got, a, if we're putting a board game on this list, then if it's not Crocodile, it's gonna be like Tok Tok Woodman or Jenga or Loop and Louie. Or and Flick against, Up. Yeah, and even against Flick 'em Up, I think I think I vote for Crocodile. Okay. So uh, do we all agree, Crocodile? Ah, oh, please. We've yeah. been at this fourth slot for so long. It looks like it's Crocodile. <laughs> Oh, game number four is Crocodile. So our list so far is Pandemic Legacy Season 1, The Mind, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. And just now, barely. <laughs> just barely. Well, Crocodile's also just barely. Look, we've done the easy ones. It's all going to be up, like really challenging from now on. <laughs> Tom, would you like to suggest under our fifth slot? Our fifth slot should go to Bonanza. That's what should be in our fifth <laughs> slot. It should be Bonanza. It's the greatest card game ever made. Bonanza, right? Okay, I'm designed by goof, legendary games. Bean enthusiast Uwe Rosenbean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Uwe Rosenbean. This is it's it's so ugly. It's this awful, gaudy yellow box with this horrible bean illustration on the front. The beans are so ugly. All of them are rubbish. It's like it's just the most fetid. Oh, fetid, maybe the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel it's like, a grim. I feel like the aesthetic is like slightly sticky VHS box, just from age. Yeah, you know? exactly. Slightly sticky VHS box. But I have laughed so much playing this game. I owe it a lot because it is one of the, like the games that I've shown to people, and you go, "Oh, we're gonna just trade beans for a bit," and already they are in. Like people are in on this theme. They want to be these little bean farmers. They want to trade beans with each other, and they're gonna be surprised by how like actually like tactical and strategic it is on top of that how much wheeling and dealing you have to do and bonanza i think is just such a great game because it immediately reinforces like a table of strangers into having like quite quick social connections you put this in front of a load of strangers and they start dealing beans and then they're just talking and it's like wow you've you've pulled off the ultimate magic trick that Quins, games can do. you look like you're about uh, to come up I, with a game that is better than bonanza and i dare you and that's simply I, not possible. I dare you. I'm going to earnestly Uno steal. That's not a card in Uno. Um, <laughs> Tom's Tom's fifth slot by taking that exact same argument because I do like it and saying if we want social connections, if we want a high quality card game from a legendary board game designer, but hey, what if it actually looked good and wasn't a joke? One of the games on my list is Modern Art by Rainer Knizian. I just, you know, modern art, it's just, it's Why just... Why are you all shaking your that, head? Okay, can I just say... It's I'm no bonanza. Love, it's no bonanza. I'm shaking my head not to putting modern art on this list because <laughs> I'd be happy to do that because it's like... I don't think you can put it in this slot. I don't think it's right for the discussion about Bonanza <laughs> because it's a very different sort of, of card game. Like, modern art is about choosing a single thing to happen and looking at the cards. Like, you are not... I don't think it's a card game. I think it's an auction game. I don't think it's got that same yeah. dynamic yeah. of yeah. how you're processing the card. Like, I think it could be on this list, but not not to derail the Bonanza discussion because, like, I really want to say no to this because I really want to say, like, it's not. But I was just trying to run into it. What are the other games about trading? Like, this specific form of negotiation... I want more people to see that. If this is about introducing people to concepts within games, Bonanza is really good at that like go on just give me that for two of those that's fine because it puts right, well, so that, much that's pressure the difference on that between, discussion right that's the difference between it and modern art modern art is just so ruthless and calculating and strategic bonanza is loose and it's yeah. full of like records yeah. and yeah. maybe made a mistake probably not yeah i feel like it's <laughs> i feel like a, a, a game i have on my list which i don't know if it was going to get up to or not would be sidereal confluence um and i feel like I feel like Bonanza is just like Sidereal Confluence for babies, but not in a bad way, in a, in a good way. Because yeah. it's like Sidereal Confluence is like, I've made a bad deal and now I'm going to lose the game for 45 minutes. Whereas this is like, I've made a bad deal and now I'm going to have bad beans, but now I'll have good beans soon. And that's fine. <laughs> I think Bonanza is, I am is, so... is genuinely very, very good. Tom kept introducing it as a kind of a joke game, but then I've ended up playing it several times over the years as Tom being like, let's play Bonanza as kind of a joke. But I just think he's actually really, really good. And I think he's right. It's brilliant. And I wish he'd, I didn't, but yeah, I think you know, he might be right. It, I think I think, I think it's, if Ava agrees, it's Bonanza for the fifth slot. But um, yeah. I'm doing this partially as a protest vote for um, once the Shut Up and Sit Down's continuing campaign to get a nice edition of Bonanza that isn't like laughably awful. Like, WizKids, if WizKids want to pick up Bonanza, like they've been picking up loads of old games, they can somehow wrest Bonanza out of the That's Amigo the charm. Terms. That's the charm. The charm is that it's ugly. Racist beans. Okay, well, that's a whole different box of frogs. 
The racist beans are just an expansion and they, it's it's not around anymore. You don't have to worry about them. All the beans are pretty much fine in the current edition. <laughs> I'm putting bananas on this list because um, honestly, like I, I wanted a card game or two on this list and it's it's light and it's breezy and it's funny, which I think are the best card games are. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know, Wizard, it like... Okay, wow. I, I do I feel like it's an, it's an inter- it is an interesting curveball, but it is one of those games that was really, really popular a long time ago, and there's a good reason for that because it is really good. But I feel like it's now being I kind think of still very popular in Germany. Okay, but I feel like it's just it largely mm. just has been forgotten as some sort of like kind of uh, crap joke, and actually it's like it's worth checking out because it's worth playing <laughs> because it's like actually no, this is this is great. I want to make Sidereal Bonanza now, just just a reskin of. But all beans. <laughs> it, the retheme of the scenario confluence that you're all agrarian, like bean traders on a hippie No, you're all bean characters uh-huh. selling bean characters to each other. It's 100% oh, yeah. bean characters. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 fine. That's so trippy. Okay, our list is Pandemic Legacy Season 1, The Mind, Toilet Imperium, 4th Edition, Crocodile. Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> Said in exactly oh, that tone of voice. I think that's the only way that we can get <laughs> yeah, yeah. on I'll try and say it that way again. Bonanza um, in italics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna lower the tone now. Um which has become so light. Uh, look, I'm gonna throw this open to the floor. I quite I I think if we're talking about ten games you should play. I think we got to put some big niz in there. I think there should be a Ryan Eknitzia game in that list. He is, I've come around on this over my 12 year shut up as a down career. I think he's the greatest board game designer of all time. Um, I think his designs feel different. They feel hard edged and mathematical and brilliant. And um, and at the same time, kind of flexible. Like I, I, I don't have enough positive attitudes for Ryan Eknitzia. However, he's got a whole load of classics. We got Modern Art, Through the Desert, Tigris and Euphrates. Uh, gets actually quite worse after that. Samurai, Taj Mahal, I don't know, games I haven't played, like I'm on I'm on Ray. Really waiting for my new edition of that. My um, City. My City. Goodness, is My City on this list? No. Mm, it's a polyomino game and it's the it's a very good polyomino game. I was shaking her head. It does say manifest your destiny on the cover, which is quite bad. <laughs> is it Tigris and Euphrates then? If look all the arguments we made for for Matt saying you know, you should play Twilight Imperium 4th Edition because, like, it, it might not be for you, but, like, if you haven't tried it, my goodness, what are you doing? I'd, I'd agree with that. I think, I think Tigris and Euphrates is, is actually almost, like, it's similar to Twilight Imperium in the fact that it seems to take forever and you don't really know what's going on, even when you're playing it. You're just like, what is this? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's just horrible, brutal, strange, just having your entire fortunes just flipping on you, quite literally. Um... And realizing that you thought you did really well, and then at the end of the game you get like one point. Um, it's it's something <laughs> right, else. It, it, There's nothing perfect, quite like it, right? Yeah, it's a it's a perfect running right, as a combination of like imagine making one of the greatest tactical games of all time, and then just filling it with random chance, and it still hangs together. Like it's not and not even random chance of like cards or dice, but random chance entirely generative by like tiles and your own. I don't know. It's it's bizarre, but but I don't know. If someone told me it's the greatest board game of all time, I wouldn't argue with them. I'd be like, yeah, I'm quite tired. I think I think I really want to not <laughs> I really want to not put Tigger in your in there because I think that it is weirdly I think that it is so 
so esoteric in what you are doing in it. As opposed to Matai and I. <laughs> I think this what no, but so what I'm talking about is like because in that list, the thing that made my heart sing, that ling of that, that list of Rainer Knizia games that are like right in the like top, top tier of his output. When you said through the desert, my heart bounced. Right? Because they think that is a game that is so easy to put in front of people, so gentle, so like it's got the tastiest looking pieces in the history of board games. And I. Uh. You're thinking specifically of the um, Fantasy Flight edition. There's a new edition coming from. Oh, I hope they've else. made the canals even taste Steeped edible. games. I yeah, steeped. Steeped games. I, I think you're getting mixed up with Camel Up, right? We're, t- we're talking about Camel Up here, yeah? <laughs> no. Which is, no. is better than Tigris and Euphrates. I think that, that through the desert, I've introduced that to three different sets of people, and I've had the complete opposite reaction where they've gone, they don't really know what's special about it. Because I think that the, with Through the Desert being sort of almost so close to like board games that people might have played when they were younger, which are like sort of sim- like, you know, the actions, the suite of actions you have are so simple. You're just putting camels on a board, right? That I think sometimes people don't engage with them as being, don't engage with that game as being special or yeah. interesting or weird. I think you need to already be kind of into the hobby before you can start seeing why it's so oh, clever. Oh, whereas Two Kids um, Tracy's just like immediately jumps out at <laughs> you as intuitively wonderful. <laughs> like, I don't, I know what you're okay. saying. And I think I will be okay with Tigris and Euphrates going in. I just wanted to make a little impassioned statement about Through the Desert. It it doesn't have to be Tigris and Euphrates. What about either Ra or Modern Art? I don't like um, auction games. So that's... Okay, uh, that's me just being. That's that, that's just. Are you just, like going to become? That's like... just me putting my heart on my sleeve here. In terms of like, it's going to be. You know, I'm I'm kind of like now like a GOP senator. It's going to be quite hard to get get things past. I me. was about to say, sure. yeah, you're gonna. Is it Joe Manchin? <laughs> like, are you gonna just block yeah, all auction I'm games? I'm just gonna filibuster any conversations about auction games <laughs> and start talking about the, the the mallet they put down or something. I mean, look, I I think like I I kind of agree with what Ava's saying in terms of like I think Through the Desert is kind of this beautiful design but I think that Tigris is such an odd game in the fact that it, it really does feel like a a classic tactical game like chess or something right because you you are trying yeah. to build out this this careful empire but then everything you're doing is so fragile and so dangerous and at any point a kind of beautiful um amazing play can just be reflected back onto you and completely destroyed by somebody else just spotting spotting an opening and and it has such a perfect framing for that in the fact that you're building these cities and the bigger your cities get the more there is an opportunity for somebody to like you know get in one of the walls basically you know it's 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 remarkable it's also an absolute headache to teach it's impossible and it's really <laughs> weird and really hard to get into but i do feel like in that vein of abstract euroy things if you're going to say to people like yeah you've got to try one of these i do think it is the one if if people have yeah. to try an abstract euroy thing which i don't know if they do <laughs> but it's certainly the only one that i love because i don't really like abstract C- games that much either. can we not get ra past your hatred of auction uh, is one of the best is auction like games. so light and so oh, dumb great. i like it it's good like, right but i just don't like auction games i like ra right but it's just fundamentally I just find auction games quite frustrating and annoying. Um, Quinns, I, I think we can sneak in an auction game a little bit later on, actually. 
Oh, you think we can sneak in an auction yeah, game? Yeah, okay. I think there's an auction game that I've got in my head that will get past Matt's defenses. He won't even realize it's an auction game. There's one auction game I like. There's one auction game I love. I think I know what it is. Uh, I, I, just, what I think like Ra is this weird thing where it kind of is an auction game, but also isn't quite. Like enough of the edges of what it's doing in that makes it very much not feel like an auction game. Because you are just just because you're going down once, you've got a limitation on exactly what you bid, you're bidding, and that the core decision isn't what are you bidding; it's what are you willing to put in this lot for everyone to bid in, and that push your luck thing. Yeah. I think that that's such a specific thing that um, oh, I would really put Ra in there as well. But I do think it should be Tigus and Euphrates, despite the fact that okay. like, I really want it to be something else because I think that it's just. It's just, it's fascinating and it does introduce you to a broad layer of things and processes that are interesting and you feel so clever playing it and so dumb playing it. And yeah, like Matt said, you can very much have everyone at the table like hammering at you because they think you're in the lead and then like do the totting up at the end and reveal that you've got one point. And like, that's so funny. (laughs) I think Tigers and Euphrates should be on this list just for that reason of like you sweat for 60 minutes just to learn the game. Never mind play it. And then you sweat for another 60 minutes. And after that, you have two points. It's like it's it's the best. It's like the opposite of American football. Um, it's in. Okay. It's in. Our list is Pandemic Legacy Season 1, The Mind, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, Crocodile, Bonanza, and <laughs> Tigers and Euphrates. I'm going to go get a banana <laughs> um, as we as we push into the final furlong. Okay, we're here. We always knew that we'd get here. Everybody knows that the, this, this road was going to open up at some point. I would like to suggest Cosmic Encounter as a game that I think everybody should try because it's just so flipping silly. And there are lots of games out there that are silly and lots of people love games that are silly, but I think a lot of the games that people like because they're silly are bad. I can't be asked with Munchkin. <laughs> I can't be asked with Flux. Cosmic is just right in terms of being like, this is dumb. This is not fair. This is silly. But then becomes this exercise in social balancing of people trying to convince other people that they're not a problem when they clearly are. And there's nothing funnier than having somebody who is, for example, the void sitting around the table being like, guys, can't we be friends? Um, and, and failing miserably to do so. I think it's a really tough one to like recommend sometimes because of the fact that it is group dependent and also because it's so random in its setup, it's very possible to just have a game that isn't good. Like you, you can quite easily have a game and try it and be like, well, that wasn't fun. There is variance there. You can have games that are very short. You can have games that are very long. You can have games that feel like they're a bit dud. But then also within that, you can have things that are just the best experiences you've ever had because of how silly and wild and and fun things get. It's it's a game that everybody I introduced it to, we used to play with in my house, just got so addicted to it. People would be bringing their friends over to play it when I wasn't there. The copy got so grubby. It was unreal. But... I just think it's it's such a weird, magical, stupid thing. And in the same way that I think Twilight Imperium manages to be too much in a way which is kind of annoying, but also unlocks something magical, I think that there's nothing quite as silly and sprawling and wild as Cosmic Encounter that manages it in the same way. I kind of regret letting TI4 in, and I think that space should be Cosmic Encounter. Now, the more I think about it, but I do think they're different enough. 
They are different. They are different enough, but we've got like three more games to go on this list and I'm starting to sweat. Oh, it's tough. I almost think Cosmic Encounter occupies... I almost think Bonanza has insanely usurped Cosmic Encounter's <laughs> slot by, by bringing that like breezy card game energy because like so much of... The annoying thing about Cosmic is it's basically a fascinating, ever-changing, bizarre, um, goofy card game. But to get to the point that you're playing it like a goofy card game, you have to learn the entire deck and play it twice. Um, Ava's uh, giving me a thumbs up. I don't so know if that's it. true. Have to learn the entire deck. I, do you mean I like don't the think it's about like, having but... to learn the entire deck. I think it's that you need to have someone there with a military precision of running the game and teaching the game so that people can understand the, um, uh, the precise interactions of their weird things. I think that my problem with this isn't really so much about like knowing the card deck and able to be able to like play it right, which I do think that there's a bit of that in there. It's the fact that because you do not know what particular rules are going to be bent that particular game, you do have to be so pedantic with how things work. And like doing that in a way that is socially friendly and messy and fun, like for a big dumb game, it is capable of making a newcomer feel really, really, really dumb. Um, yeah, I think, you, you know what I think? I think so many people in, in this age of board game design getting smoother and smarter, I think we've, we're in this era where Cosmic Encounter is like falling out of favor and it's so easy to have a bad game of it. I can't tell you how many times I've taught Cosmic. It's like, oh, you've never played. It's literally this scenario. You've never played Cosmic. You have to play Cosmic. And then we sit down and play it. And that first game is so wrong. It's not that you need to know the entire deck, but if you are like the void when no one can, I don't know, get their ships out of the void when you're playing it's like how common does that happen normally how many cards are there that let you get ships out of the void how valuable is a ship well, it depends on yeah i think uh, i, I think know, though, i do think that like one of the things about it is that games can often be so quick games can often be over and about especially if it's like uneven games can be over in about 20 minutes half an hour they can just like so you, there is a degree of like yeah it's not like you know you learn for ages and then you're back to square one but i do think that the biggest problem with it is that that you can teach some people in the first game might be duff like i've had a time where i taught some people how to play at a convention and they'd never played before and they had an amazing time with their first game but that's just luck it's like it's it's so random yes. that it's like and I, I completely agree that I do think that it's it's fiddly and um, esoteric and occasionally very easy to bounce off of. But I still feel like there's there's nothing has usurped it yet in that space. And I don't think it's a game where I'm like, oh, everyone has to own this. You've got to play this. You should. But I do feel like it's something that if you play loads of games, you should try it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of comes back around. What the point I was going to make, and I only got halfway through, was that I think Cosmic Encounter has fallen out of favor, but I think it has a majesty and a magic and a bizarreness, and nothing's quite like it. So I think if it falls completely out of favor, it's going to be rediscovered in 10 years, and people are going to go, oh my God, this game from the 80s is the greatest game of all time. It's the best game that I've played this year. That's all. The best single game that I've... Not, it's, it is not the best game, but the best single game the most fun I've had playing a game this year was the time that I went back to Cosmic Encounter after about like two, three years since the last time I played it. And it was such wow. a whale of a time. I think it belongs in this list. I would quite happily sacrifice Twilight Imperium and Bonanza for it. But I'm aware that's not <laughs> yeah, the system Yeah, if I'd known, got. like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, if I'd known that me saying yes to Bonanza would mean that Twilight Imperium had taken its had its its chair 
and lunch stolen, then I, I, I never would have done that. But if that's where we're at, then that's where we're at. And I think we'll have to just face that as a, as a group and move on from I th- it. I think that's where we're at. And also, I, li- I don't want this list to look like Shut Up It's Down's top 10 games of all time. This yeah. is 10 games you should play. And it's like, you can. what if you go and play Cosmic and have a bad game? Like, you know, that's what have you achieved from you have to play? I don't know. I, I'll add fuel to this fire by saying that I played Cosmic. I played it three times uh, in the past, like, few months because I received the Cosmic Odyssey expansion, the big thing that makes it into a little three-game campaign. I played three games of it. And they were all duds. Uh, they left people feeling frustrated. They had people not kind of quite grasping on what was going on in the game. Uh, it was, it, it didn't, and that's a shame because this is coming from, I loved Cosmic Encounter. I played it so much at university. I had a very similar thing that, that Matt does where, where you have this copy that gets grubby and beaten and worn down over so many hands passing over it. You know, it, it's this, I think that it is, magic in that space but i just don't know if it's if it's times up a little bit because i just i've introduced some some friends of mine to so many different games and then i said hey you've not played cosmic let's play cosmic and they were like you've shown us better stuff than this i don't know what all the hype is about here um and i don't know I, that's interesting i, I interesting. feel it's not it's not got enough but beans i do in feel it. maybe not got enough beans in it either. it's not got enough beans <laughs> i like, do feel though maybe maybe like i i know they're different things but i wouldn't be I wouldn't be too averse to killing Twilight Imperium for it, but then we're going back in time. Cosmic bean counter. I think if it's... Just needed to say that out loud. (laughs) You know, I think this is a list of games where you need to play them once. And I think if you play Twilight Imperium 4th Edition once, you see what it does. If you play Cosmic Encounter once... You might not. I don't think you... You might might not figure it out. I'm going to sit up now and put on the hat that I own as the team's biggest role player. And I'm going to inch towards some role playing by introducing... The King's Dilemma, or probably The Queen's Dilemma, which will come out in a hot minute and probably be better because it's horrible, horrible games. Uh, getting another bite of that apple. Um, this, if you haven't seen our review of it, you should because I think it's one of the... It's, I don't know if it's in the top 10 games of all time, but I do think it's in the top 10 games you should try. Um, it is a storytelling game meets poker. You are all members of a council advising a king or a queen in the sequel um, on decisions that come up. So like, you know, there's this kind of, uh, I don't know, party happening with the people to the north do we want to suggest that the queen's daughter goes and marries them or something and then you all argue based on very little other than just storytelling and theme and most importantly the house you are playing because every house has different objectives and is trying to push the story in a different way for example one of the houses is basically our communists who do all the working and they want more power to workers another house is super religious another house just wants to be immortal and that's it all you're trying to do is push the story which is this crazy branching narrative involving envelopes and maps and, and, and a lot of reading um, in different directions. But uh, I don't know if it's in the top 10 board games of all time, but I do know it is maybe the best example of what you can do with storytelling, but storytelling as a group, as a board game. And that's so unique. It's not a board game that tells you a story. It is a board game where you are actors in that story. And I think that's real cool. So that's my suggestion. But the seventh slot is the king's dilemma or the queen's dilemma if it's out there's this i like that game but you describe what you described there quins would be my pitch for why oath should be in the in the 10 you know i don't what ava stop nodding you haven't played i haven't, played haven't the but dilemma. the reason i haven't played it well then, no stop but nodding. the reason i haven't played it is because it arrived just before the pandemic when it became impossible to get together a group of people to play it and 
again that's not we've now we're reason. now adding like <laughs> another game that is not going to show you what it is until it is further into it and actually that full campaign dynamic and i think that asking people to play multiple campaign games where it's hard to get that group of consistent people and oath doesn't actually need that because you can do uh, it I, in the one and get some I excitement. think it does. I, I, I think, that I you think can't, it also does need that. I think you can't get too into the like, oh, it requires you to get a group together because I think that the whole point of this is that's kind of similar to the whole thing of like pool tables are everywhere. You can just you can just walk into a room and there'll probably be a pool table in it if you're in the UK. Like there's one in like every room. You're going to stumble into one by accident <laughs> and then like you hit it hard enough, you're already playing pool. <laughs> Whereas like, you know, with some of this stuff, it's, it's like, yeah... <laughs> You know, we're saying you've got to try this, right? It's that there's an implicit thing of like you're probably gonna have to like slightly go out of your way to try this, right? Other than just like it's not gonna be an opportunity, it just arises. So I do feel like having stuff where it's like, yeah, because that's the reason I haven't tried it yet, right? I've heard amazing things about it, but same as you, I got a copy just before everything went. Let's go inside and not be around humans, and I haven't managed to to get the people together to do it and get the time and carve it out. And I kind of feel like I probably should do that because it sounds like it's amazing. But I do think, I agree with Tom, that Oath also requires that kind of, you can play Oath once no. and get into it, but... Check it out. If you play Oath once, you don't see how the legacy mechanics change. If you play one game with a King's Dilemma, you get everything. You get to open an envelope. You get to, <laughs> you know, like you get to experience all the mechanics, the story forks. Like the upkeep between games and the King's Dilemma isn't the point the game is. So... One game of Oath does not show what Oath can do. One game of King's Dilemma does. So stick that in your Oath pipe and smoke it. <laughs> I think the Oath is like, for me, it's like a it's like a heart pick. But I do, I, I am more, I would be more inclined to put King's Dilemma in the list over it, even though Oath is like my favorite game. <laughs> I've got stuck on this now. Like, I don't want us to do Shut Up, Sit Down, top, games, top 10 games of all time. I think if we were doing that list, it might be Oath. But I think yeah, yeah. that in terms of games you should try, in terms of the most innovative storytelling game, I think it's The King's Dilemma. I see a lot of nodding. Do we get to put it in? I have to stand aside because I haven't played it, so I'm not actually really... I don't know whether I'm, I'm allowed to I'm have willing an opinion, to abstain right? on this. If I was looking for a generative, like, explorative story-building board game experience, I would definitely be picking Oath. If I wanted something further in that direction towards King's Dilemma, I would want to play a role-playing game. I but this is ten board games. You, no. It's ten yeah, board I, games you should play. I like think if, if that's like saying I don't want to play Crocodile, I want to play basketball. And I don't know if if yeah, right. I don't know if All we right. haven't played it, so I don't know. If it's fair to say it's like a role playing game because it doesn't sound and like also, it's a role playing think, game. It's not a role playing game. It's, it's a soft role playing game, maybe. Like it has yes. elements of role play, which is exactly why I think maybe it should be on the list because it again, it's a game that contains so many different elements. Yeah, I think I I do agree with Quinns unfortunately, that we should probably I'm put it on. Tom, when it comes to the team having a discussion of like the next top 10, 20 games of all time, you can remind me of this moment and I will back you to put Oath uh, <laughs> or, like, wherever you want. To, nice. Okay? Oh, very happy about that. Okay, our list so far is Pandemic Legacy Season 1, The Mind, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, Crocodile, Bonanza, Tigris and Euphrates, <laughs> and now The King's Dilemma, but... Probably the Queen's Dilemma. Well, you've said that a couple of times and I think I'd say no to that because the tendency for us to always think that the sequels are going to be better and then often they're not is like almost a one-to-one -one Venn diagram. Hey, maybe it will be better, but <laughs> it's like almost definitely rely on yeah. it not being because that's how the world unfortunately seems what. to work. The official listing will be the King's Dilemma asterisk. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, uh, with two slots left, it's looking increasingly unlikely Blood on the Clock Tower will make it because I think there's a lot of strong feelings and emotions. No, no one can count. Three. There's three um, slots left. Three, four, five. No, there's yeah, no, there's three slots left. Okay, Ava. <laughs> okay, well, we're not going to try and put oath in because we've already had that discussion. So my next pitch is going to be. Uh, one that's probably just going to get kicked out because I think in principle I have to frame it like this, but I don't think we should really be doing this. But I would like to see a classic Uwe Rosenberg game from a select list of the best ones. We've got it. We've already put no, it in. No, we're not We've already got it. <laughs> you know what I mean. A Uwe Rosenberg <laughs> agricultural worker placement game and... I know that that's a crap thing to put in a list, but I don't... Ava, I'm with I, you so far. I don't... But what is it? Well, no, I don't think I can pick one because what I pick will pick will be different from what everyone else in this room will oh. pick, right? Because I've got oh, a list you, here oh, and stop. it says Lahav, Nusfjord, Glass Road, Caverna, Nusfjord, and it's not complete. Like, there's still other things I could put in there. <laughs> and I put in Nusfjord twice. I, and I didn't even do that on purpose. I... I think part of what I'm thinking about with this list is like, what do I think video gamers should play? And I'm thinking that video gamers, you know, like, so yes to having bucolic Uwe Rosenberg game. I think Agricola and these games where you develop a holding in front of you, like that core of Euro games, like we think of Euro games as difficult decisions, but I think so much of it is watching something grow in front of you. I think people should definitely experience that. Uwe Rosenberg is the master of that. And what if we doubled that by also showing video gamers that that polyominoes are more yes! than just Tetris and yes! Resident Evil 4 inventory management. Yes! To include Bring it home. Odin. Oh, yeah! Yeah. Bring <laughs> that bow in! i so excited. Bring that bow I in! I feel really pumped up. Thanks, Matt. It's it's a feast for Odin. Land it! Ava is frowning. She did yes! not. Yes! <laughs> a feast for Odin! <laughs> Can you uh, hear Ava, it? Is, did you have a bad... <laughs> Sorry, Ava. Uh, I can't actually see um, your face on the webcam for some reason, so I apologise if I've, you're, I've really upset you with my character. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was pulling a face of like, oh, I forgot about that, and I forgot that this was so inevitable <laughs> that this was going to happen. You wrote and I've basically just given my choice to a game that I don't like, and I'm really upset about that. <laughs> Did you, have you, how many times have you played Free Sprint? I think I remember you saying that you played it once in a pub with low lighting. Um, I have worst, since played it quite a lot it. online, so I've now got a much better understanding of the systems and what's interesting in there and what the things are. Like At that level, I think that there's definitely some things that really frustrate me about it. Um, and they are different from what initially. What annoys you? I just I think that high level play is so abstractly weird, and like you're building a pile of junk rather than a farm or a small holding or something. Like it's just like oh it's Tetris that's and that's great, but it's yes. just like oh great. So <laughs> yeah, that giant crown that we got has now covered up enough victory points so I'm happy about that. But that's not like, you don't actually build that in the world. Like that's not, to me, what is exciting about an Uwe Rosenberg game because it's one of the most laughably abstract games of all time it's like what if tetris but you could then additionally get the isle of white and, fill it with hammers and, picks? and like i do think it is clever and i do think it is interesting and i do think that pushes you in an interesting way but i think 
And maybe that means it can go on this list because it gets you that experience in a way that covers a I, load I of mean, different mechanics. But can you hear the tone of my voice there? Like, I want... Uh, yeah, I mean... I, yeah, if I had to angry. pick one, my favourite is Le Havre, then Nusfjord, then Glass Road. But my fourth favourite is probably Caverna. And I think that that has got the purest expression of... I am building an actual farm. I've got little fences with sheep and cows and boars and donkeys and the donkeys go in a mine and now I'm digging and hey, he's got a weapon in his hat. And like all of that is so vividly a thing building up in front of you and it doesn't have this layer of abstraction in it. So for that reason, I will allow Feast Rodin if I have to. But I think it should be covered. I just say, I just say, Ava. Like, I think that, like, uh, I think that it's definitely not something you want to play in a low lit pub because there's an awful lot of looking at uh, things on a big board and an awful lot of small things. But at the same time, I feel like this is a game I really wouldn't want to play online because I feel like actually, what I love about Feast for Odin is it is like a bloody buffet you know it's like you get it all out and there's just all these bloody bits and it's definitely something a slow sunday afternoon kind of thing just luxuriating over all of these nice pieces and having like lots of different satisfying economic transactions and then popping a little thing onto a board it's it's like a big warm coat and i feel like playing it online it's definitely one of those games where the coldness that it would bring to it in in making it feel like a just a pure structural game i feel like would strip away so much of what i love about it um so yeah i do really feel ava's point though that like i think what uwe rosenberg does and what this list is missing is like putting little wooden pumpkins on a cardboard field and then plucking them off as they grow or like putting a wooden goat in a cave and it never sees the light of day again (laughs) um these are these are such it's really it's like what's better do we do we want polyomino stuff which is very popular right now but might be a flash in the pan versus the enduring appeal of wooden animals i'm going to completely abstain from this one in a way that's probably going to be really annoying <laughs> because i love We're a feast for odin us, tom we need to uh, <laughs> i love a feast for odin and i would probably put it on this list but that's because i haven't and i agree i so agree with the like bucolic farmer theme stuff i think that's building something is not necessarily what you do in a feast for odin at all um but I've just not played enough of Agricola or Caverna, and I don't, I don't really like Glass Road that much, <sighs> and I don't, I, I, I like Newsfield, but it's not good enough. I'd so I'm say, gonna, I'm right, gonna just be like, I think that like a lot of those bucolic UE Rosenberg games where you are, you know, creating abstract carrots and sheep and moving them onto things are <laughs> great, right? They are, they are fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I also feel like that space describes like so many euro games and so many things right where it's like you might not have played a yui rosenberg tier game where you put a sheep on a card but you've almost definitely played a game where you put a sheep on a card and it might be comparable to roughly in the same vein might be almost as good as right whereas i just i do think that yeah the abstraction in feast Rodent is odd and but i do feel like there's there's so many little satisfying and exciting moments in that of like you, you do 
Receiving a bean. Yeah, getting a Every thing. other round, receiving a bean. Getting a thing, having to make sure you've got enough food to feed people. Like, yes, the abstraction on the map and the actual tetromino thing is silly. But other than that, it's like you're making these resources to try and expand. You're trying to make enough food to feed people. You're trying to build boats to go out and get more goods coming in and out and get to other islands. And then also you have this ridiculously long shopping list of actions you can take that, again, taken by other players. And it's, it is one of those, again, it's like I, I don't, it's wrong for this list to be populated too heavily with massive, sprawling, big box things. But this is a game that's like a, a takes ages to play and it fills a table. But it does, again, it's in that vein of like, there's nothing quite like it, I don't think. I, I think as the swing vote in this out of the three of us, I think I'm going to have to put a Feast for Odin in because... Because, like, Ava, you make such a good argument, and maybe on another day I might suggest Caverna. And if it was, like, but, best games, then um, I think that, like, it's the same thing again. I think right? it would still be Feast for No, Odin but I think, I think, I would, I think, the Harvest my favourite, but I think Feast for Odin is a better game, but I think Caverna is a more enjoyable experience, and that's the, that's the bit of it. And I don't like the idea that we're putting this in as a token, like, gesture towards polyominoes, because I think it's the worst use of polyominoes. Like, I don't, no, oh, I think I th I think that's you not playing it in person. Um, there's so much pick up and yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> me exactly, in all of the polyominoes that I've had, the ones that I hate the most are the ones where you've got to, to build something but avoid a particular spot and leave a gap for something. And I want like satisfying chunks of things all bundling together. You want the yeah, main part, but anyway, a thing up. I will let it all go I'll, in. I'm saying all that. I'll say, for, yeah, I will let it go in. But I want all of these caveats to be noted. Uh, in the record in the, in, the, in the minutes for today's in meeting minutes, yeah. <laughs> Ava, here's, the, here's what I think is going to happen one day you'll play Feast for Odin in person ideally with us and then you will roll the dice that means you kill a whale and I will collect all the different parts of the whale little cardboard tokens and I'll put them in a pile in front of you and you will feel like you're opening a Christmas hamper because <laughs> you take that, that spine and then I will immediately house. go, oh no, it turns out spines for whales are not the size that I thought, so this doesn't help me at all. Oh no, I can't yeah, put my yeah. whale spine next to my beans or mead or whatever. <laughs> it's fine, you convert oh, them into a, into a handbag and a sword and you do something else with them. <laughs> I, honestly, the thing for me, the final say is that I, I think that what I like about Feast for Odin is it's one of the only games of this type of game where it requires you to have these like long-term plans of being like, I'm going to do this, then next I'll, I'll do this and I'll do this, that actually doesn't just really annoy me and feel like exhausting right because a lot of these games it's like you do it and then like your plan finally after three turns you do it and you just feel so exhausted by it and you've got like a cube it's something that is tough to like get that racing line of like i've got to get all these things and then convert them to this but then actually when you do it it does feel satisfying and generous with with the with the payoff and it does i think through that it does manage to convey this idea of like a village of people doing things over a period of time even though the actual map side of things is is yeah fair enough that's bobs that's 100% bobs <laughs> um so our list so far pandemic legacy season one the mind twilight imperium fourth edition crocodile bonanza twilight twilight Tigris and Euphrates, the King's Dilemma asterisk, and a feast for Odin. Brackets. Ava was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, you're up next. Am I? You should, when was has Tom done one in a while? Have we skipped Tom? Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I got skipped at some point. Yeah, but I think maybe the, I'm I wrong. think Tom uh, needs to go I, now. I suggested he's definitely. Oh, did I skip Tom. you? Give my bad. You Tom. might. No. Does that mean Tom, I get? Does Tom, that mean I get Tom, two back to Tom, back? Tom. I, I think no, you get one. It'll be Tom, Matt, Tom. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, 
Ooh. Only two, st- legit two slots left now, and only one if we include Bonham. <laughs> I want to, I, I, I just thinking about, because I also want a little bit more variety on this list, but I'm just been, like, this game has been in my brain for so long that I feel like I need to put it somewhere, maybe. And maybe this is a bit of a cheat because it's more more than one game. Uh, the Undaunted System. Oh. <laughs> uh, <no>. So <laughs> we've not, we've not got a deck builder, right? I was going to say we don't have a deck builder. We have no, uh, we other than Crocodile, we have no dedicated two player games, even though Crocodile can go up to four. And it's just like the best deck builder. And that's, I'm just going to say it. I just think it's the best deck builder. I think there is no other deck building game that I enjoy more than Undaunted Normandy. And it is, if we're talking about games that are great for video gamers to play, oh my goodness. Undaunted Normandy brings so many key concepts of deck building into your brain. And it's just so tight and tense and beautifully balanced. And I just, I love it so much. Uh, But this is one that might just get shot down. Who knows? I don't know. I had um, I had deck builder Dominion question mark the quest for Eldorado question mark on my list. Um, I haven't played the question mark versions. I don't Are they good? know. <laughs> Dominion I, I want... too boring. Dominion dull. You just what? Get a coin? Who gives a sh? I want to shoot a guy <laughs> right in his brain. Hey, and that's undaunted hey, delivers those hey, visceral thrills. No long to no no need to treat Quinn's like the Dominion dad. All right, Tom, just drain it in. Okay, <laughs> is it? But like we t- we we sort of eliminated um, mafia from the list because Among Us is in the popular imagination. Do we maybe not need to include deck builders now that you know Slay the Spire and Monster Train and whatever else are just part of? No, because people who play <laughs> Slay the Spire play it wrong. That's true. Ava looks like she is so lost in thought. I uh, I want to talk about Combat Commander for a little bit, but like there's no use in that. I, look, I've played Combat Commander. I think there's an. I'm pretty sure you've played it wrong <laughs> because like I just I just don't know how you're not exhilarated by how the card system works in that. And seeing that like trimmed down and smartened up for Undaunted into like such a tight, simple, and clever thing is uh, beautiful, but. I don't I don't feel the drive to push people towards playing Undaunted. I think that's that this is the thing. It's like I think it's a lovely game. I think it is really solid. I think it is really clever. But I also I don't oh, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't make me shout like, oh, I wanna tell people about this thing because it's really good. I just feel like it's like quietly incredibly solid. And I do feel like it's yeah, it's kind of a gamer's game. It's like it's very it's very good and it's very clever and it's very simple and elegant and it's like you play it and you go, Oh damn, this is this is great. But I don't know if it's something that's like you just look at it and go, Oh, this is so clever. This is so good. But yeah. I, I, I think to me it's like Oath, um another Tom favourite, where it's like I think if we're making a list of the top ten games ever, it's on that list. But I think I think if you understand card play, you get so much out of Undaunted. If you understand like war games or dueling games, or or if you want to really get to grips with World War Two, like it's good for all that. But in terms of like, what is the game? I think everybody should play. Like, well, imagine well, if everybody played Undaunted. Can you imagine the generation of designers that that would create? Well, We'd so, be playing horrible, stressful, painful stuff. <laughs> but here's the thing: I think that like the other thing that I was considering for this space would be Netrunner, right? in terms of a game that you really should play. And the, re- the reason for both of those games 
like tackling this spot is because I think that Undaunted is a gamer's game, sure, but I think it can also like I think it has so much to teach you about deck building. I think it is a game where if you play it with the same person, you know, like multiple times, if you get the Which I we're know, not talking about. Right. But I mean I think that it's implied that you could play the same game multiple times. I think I know, we'd like, be very consistent with whether we're talking about again. that or not. So that, I think we are actually allowed to do that. It's just whether someone wants to win the argument or not, right? <laughs> the experience of sitting down and playing Undaunted with someone and learning so much about how bloody elegant those mechanics are, how clever that game is, is a sort of drip, you know, a, a little drip feed of realizations that happen over time that just kind of completely expands your brain in terms of like how what like really good design can look like um and i just think that i i don't know that's that's it's it's a bit of a long shot maybe seems like people are a little bit sour on it to go in in this list i just think it's, it's exquisite those, i think it's an exquisite honestly if thing. you'd said it earlier on it probably would have gone in but like at this point with only two slots <laughs> left it's there's a bit of like oh i don't i don't think it's, it's worth yeah. one of those two slots um, it's and it's a shame. Unfair. I do also, know yeah. what you're saying. I also don't think it's necessarily like that important that as a as a world we make sure that people really, really deeply understand the intricacies of deck building and what you can do with it. Like, ev <laughs> I, like even as yeah. podcasters about board games, it's like, yeah, I'm really hype about that. But is it magic? I think. I think a lot. Of a lot of the games yes. on the list like say something about like play or humanity or like culture or you know or like i mean even even polyominoes like that's uh, that, i don't know, i don't know why but polyominoes to me is like it, it in in a feast for odin that says that the fact that we that that is the most inordinately satisfying mechanic the fact that it catapulted tetris to to legendary status in games like we're all just shapes is man we're all just shapes trying to find a space we're all just shapes i don't know <laughs> Can someone shoot this down so I don't have to? Because I do think Undaunted is one of the best games of all time. Listen, all I'm going to say is I think that I think that what Ava said is right. With two slots in the in the innings, it is inordinately unfair at this point and reveals the entire system we're doing to be horribly unbalanced. I just can't stop thinking as well about like <laughs> all of the all of the reasons we've had for shooting down various things that have not made the list. I think in the context of us also realizing that one of the games in this list is Bonanza means I think it doesn't matter what we do at this point. We are in so much trouble with the internet. So let's just, let's just keep moving. Let's just keep moving. Spit. Speaking as the person with the list in front of me, I think we've done well. But if we're keeping moving, um, so bang, 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 we shot Tom down. I'm so sad about Matt. this. That is actually like, that's... Should have said it earlier. Straight Should've to Go and count earlier. your beans, Tom. Go and count your beans. Matt, Okay. to you. Okay, I'm just going to chuck this one out into the to the world bin. And I'm going to say... Is it Quacks of Quedlinburg? It's not. No, 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 no. That's. I think that's a great game, but I don't think it's. it's like you need to play that. Oh, I think I had one on this list that's disappeared. Good Lord. Good Lord. Yeah, no. We can go back to Tom while you... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tom, back to back for you, for your double feature. Skull. I think Skull should be in the list. Oh, Skull. Uh, what made you choose Skull over Cockroach Poker? Oh, that's a really good question as well. I think Skull is more, uh, like, Skull feels somehow more timeless. Uh, and the fact that you can, it's almost, you know, it is a folk game, essentially. You can play it with stuff that you find at the pub. But I also think that maybe Skull is, 
Oh, you know what? You've already you've thrown me by having both of those games like so close no, together. I honestly, in my I brain. Think, no, I I I agree with you. Skull is timeless. It's less rules. Yep. It's and um. It's the thing. It's a bluffing game like that we a, don't have yet. Cockroach Poker is a, is basically a joke. And yeah, if we don't have the Resistance or Werewolf, if Blood on the Clock Tower isn't on the list, and if we're talking about differentiating this list from the greatest game of all time list we would hypothetically make, which I'm obsessed with now, I think Skull's a really good suggestion. Ava looks unhappy again. <laughs> I I have never had a great time with Skull. And um, I don't know what it is because I feel like I should. That's interesting. It's got I've, a load never, of I've never not had yeah, no, a this, great time with this Skull. This is what most people say. I'm worried <laughs> that my skull might be broken. Um, like, yeah, something about this has always not really hit. And I don't know... I don't know what it is. Like, I love it as an activity. I love that, the vibe of people sitting back and like sliding those things on. All of the like aesthetics and the process of it is delightful. So I do still play it. But I've never felt like people have clicked with it quite right in the experience that I've had with it. And I don't know if this is just that like, I all of my friends are bad people but like i don't think that's true but like <laughs> it's probably that something it's probably, is, that. probably that something is the something doesn't land with this for me and it doesn't provide what i want it to provide that said i think that that might be like a field that i generate that makes skull not be as good and Oh, that's sad. Anti skull, <laughs> so uh, anti skull, kind of uh, EMP. Yeah, I, I'm just going to jump in here and just crash the car into a wall here and say that actually, if we're talking about there being a slot on this list that's like, oh, maybe werewolf, maybe blood on the clock tower, I would give that one to skull, if I'm honest. And it's like, it's yeah, that's for me would be like, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy with that in that space because it is. It's a bit like the mind, right? In regards to like, I, what, what I like about Skull is you show it to people and you, you can almost completely tell how they're going to play the game because everyone, the, the first three or four games almost goes through exactly the same process of like, I'm going to do yeah, this, yeah. now I'm going to do this. And it's like, it's just joyful to watch because it's one of the few games where it, the rules teach themselves. Like there are so few rules, but then there are loads more rules, but everybody works them out as they play in the same way every time. And that process I find just so joyful and I think that if you've not gone through that little roller coaster I think it's just really fun to have the realizations and to go through the bits of going oh and then yeah I don't know you know one of my favorite things in all of board games whether you're playing a euro game or a legacy game or skull are rules where you go why is this a rule or where you, uh -huh. you simply don't understand the game and rather than having someone teaching the game going here you don't want to use your laser guns in here because then the cover will no the best games are games you learn as you're playing by pancaking into walls and losing <laughs> and going, oh no, where you realize yep. as as you're falling. And Skull is the, the most that. Also, um, Ava, I'll give you, I can see you're desperate to speak. Um, the thing that sticks in my head with Skull is I played it with a friend of mine who makes games for a living and he was stunned and then said, this is the most game in the least rules I've ever seen. And that mm. has stuck with me since. I don't, I cannot think of a game with more intricacy and strategy and depth, with less rules than Skull. I, I think Maybe. apart from that, less rules than anything else with the most game in it, Like I think that a big chunk of what you and Matt were just saying just makes me scream, like, I know that if we put Skull in now, the crew is not getting in, 
and I love the process of a group of people experiencing the rules of the crew and working out their strategies for it and the pressure and excitement and cardiness of that and that gives me the feeling that I want to get from Skull but never never have um I kind of accept that I'm gonna lose this one again but like I just want to again it's just like I want to have had this discussion where I say for me for some reason the crew is my skull. Well, I think that's really valuable yeah. texture, though, because it's like if you've tried the tri skull and you feel the same yeah. way as Ava, then you'll probably find that the crew might be what does it for you. Yeah. I think the crew is great, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't make this list for me if I'm honest. I, I think to me again, if we're making a best ten games of all time, the crew's in there. I think if we're playing ten games, you should play. I think it's skull. It's going, it's going in. in. I think yeah, it's going in. in. Okay, uh, that means we only have one slot left as our list is Pandemic Legacy Season 1, The Mind, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, Crocodile, Bonanza, Tigers and Euphrates, King's Dilemma Asterisk, A Feast for Odin, Brackets, Ava Was Robbed, and Skull with one slot left. Uh, I think this will be fun to do in a kind of quick Good fire Lord, fashion yeah. as um, we all I, battle this is, this, this, is, this is silly. Um, I, I'm just going to jump in and just say, Brass Birmingham. <laughs> 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 And my pitch for this is really good. My pitch for this is super simple. Is it's like it's it's like in the same way you might go to the cabaret and have some sort of strange sexual awakening. This is like the game that might make you realize that you just love being a nerd with numbers and just being like it's it's this or City of the Big Shoulders in terms of being these things that are just like I didn't know this person was in me, but it turns out I really love being someone who's confused by business that's trying to scrape by and having a luxurious time in a gritty, grim, okay, England vibe. As, as far as business trying to scrape by tom um when you said you might get an auction game on this list that would get past matt were you thinking of the estates no i was thinking of the king's dilemma oh oh okay i was gonna the estates was actually on my list as far as like it's not no one's saying the estates is the best game ever and no one's saying you need to play the estates more than once yeah but in terms of a game that you will play that will lodge in your brain like a bullet and like it's a it's an auction game i prefer container to that if i'm honest Container. Oh, that's a name I haven't heard. In a and long I think time. the container, container is. I think the estates is is better than container. A lot better. But I think the container is is one of those. But yeah, I think this is just for me. This is like the ultimate Euro game in terms of being like it doesn't aim to to envision anything terribly exciting, but it does it in a way which is beautiful aesthetically and mechanically, and it just manages to be absolutely thrilling despite the fact that it shouldn't. Um, and there's no reason for it to be. It's like, for me, it's like the, it's like the ultimate, the ultimate kind of money-based Euro game. But... The ultimate boring treat. Yeah, the ultimate boring <laughs> treat. I like Quinn's idea of just, of, of like basically trying to like harvest as many suggestions as possible in like a short space of time and then just like demolishing them down into, into one game. Um, okay. I feel like this I'll is, and I'll, a... I'll, I'll, oh, no, I've, don't worry, I've got a list, I've got a list over here. Uh, so currently we've got Brass Birmingham and the Estates. I'm going to chuck in uh, two games that share like so much DNA. Uh, first one is going to be Food Chain Magnate, if we're talking yeah, about boring yeah. exploding that. And then the next game, which is also kind of in a similar ballpark, uh, Hey, That's My Fish. Uh, I think that's uh, a game that... Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> roads and Boats. Roads and Boats. Roads and Boats. Roads, roads and Boats coming in. Roads and Boats. Scorching hot. The most game. You know, uh, like just a huge on, the magic maze. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just 
Roads and Boats is just the Magic Maze series from Ava over there. Yeah, interesting. Oh. Let's put that on the pile. Oh. Magic, Wait, Maze. Magic, uh, Maze. Probably, Magic like, Maze. Probably actually Magic Maze on Mars. Oh. It's, it's nothing like anything else on this list. And like I watched... I prefer vanilla Magic Maze um, to Magic Maze. So, yeah, well, let's yeah, put well, vanilla that, Magic Maze it. I don't know which well. Magic Why Maze it should be. I also have just been playing Gardeners and I'm probably going to talk about that with some people soon because I think it is my the one that I prefer out of all of them even though it's not got Magic Maze at the front so it's not going in this list. But I am now... I saw some people oh, at Sharks. i an aneurysm in a wardrobe now. <laughs> I saw some people at Sharks playing Magic Maze on Mars and like I have never seen such an organically beautiful like shifting pile of hands worming in oh, and, yeah. out and silently doing an incredibly difficult task just it was beautiful to watch and like that has like put these games like for much further in my heart as like that is unique yeah, I feel you. Um, I've got a very boring suggestion that should have come up earlier, but I thought, I don't know, I thought we'd have more time, um, which is uh, Monica's slash Celebrity slash Fishbowl. Like, can you imagine if someone hadn't played that game of getting people to oh, choose a celebrity good. and then doing it via charades and then doing it, like, do it single word, then charades. Like, Monica's is the most, it, it is the funniest game of all time, which is why we chose to do expansions for it. Um, also, you don't have to buy it, which is an argument. I mean, like, it's a very boring suggestion because it's just like a hundreds-year-old legendary game that everyone's probably played. But if you haven't played it, surely it should be on this list. Yeah, I like that too. That's a good one. I put that on the on the short list <laughs> for the final spot. This is, I believe, this is a long list now. <laughs> I also wrote down Carcassonne. Should you play Carcassonne? I think it's good. It is good. Uh, no. Inc, Spirit Island, Patchwork, Mage Knight. <laughs> I've played it, but I would have happily died. <laughs> oh, Carcassonne. Yeah, and Spirit Island. I think it's fabulous, a- but I I could happily just forget about it. You know, there are some things that are just like you can't forget about. Uh, I'm continuing to be Captain Boring. Code names. I'd say Decrypto. I'd take Monica's over Code Names. I think Code Names is the better game, but Decrypto is maybe something. To try. I don't want Decrypto is better than than Decrypto is is great, but that's. Decrypto is I feel a, so good. I feel about Decrypto how Ava feels about Skull, in that, like, but for different reasons. I can't enjoy Decrypto because I find it too stressful. I find mm. it too hard. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. I've written down on my list, and I don't know why. I think it was a joke. Fantasy Realms. <laughs> <laughs> Star Realm. That has to be a joke. I think that Star Realms is banging. No one else. Star, I love Star Realms. Oh, God. This long list is Look, too long. It's easy. Maybe we should maybe Star this is Realms a or. Uh, City of the Big <laughs> or Shoulders. <laughs> or, or Roads and Boats. <laughs> or Roads and Boats. I mean, Roads and Ava, Boats, what, yeah. what, what else was on your list, Dave? I mean, I just shouted out uh, uh, Mage Knight and Patchwork just to get, like, both ends of it. Here I Stand, maybe? The the day-long six-person uh, re- recreation of the Reformation? I d- we don't know enough about this. Why Here I Stand over um, Virgin uh, Queen? Uh, because I've played it. Yeah, exactly right. Um, All I've got left on mine are El Dorado and Terra Mystica, neither of which I think are necessarily shoe-ins for the 10 spot. I think we don't give the 10 spot out. I think the 10 spot is whatever you care about the most because, like, there's so many games. (laughs) We've committed to a task. Could we just say a splotter game? Just play a splotter game. That's quite... No, but what if they play, like, Zimbabwe? It's all right. If it's a yeah, they'll, game, get, they'll, get, it's all right. they'll get an interesting experience about it. I they'll think get the vibe. The, no, I mean, the question... Is, like, there's a couple of, like, really obscure old Splotter games that are just very... Splotter have done some weird stuff. 
Well, then I think if we do want to maybe pop a splotter at the end, because I think that, right, so here's, here's what I'm... Th- <laughs> pop a splotter at the end. <laughs> here's what I'm thinking, right. At the, right at the top of this, we had Bras Birmingham, the estates, and food chain magnate, one after another, in this sort of kind of economic-y uh, sort of Europe. I mean, the estates is actually an outlier there, but if we're thinking about those sorts of games as being our final one, then I do think having something where it's like a splotter game such as Roads and Boats, Bus, or Food Chain Magnate. Bus. Yeah. <laughs> you have to play Bus. You have to I'm play not going to make anybody play Bus. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the way that we're thinking about numbers. We don't have any numbers on the list so far. We don't have any economics, which is kind of crazy because that's like the core of so many of our favorite games. So then uh, maybe, yeah, maybe the we should then just thing, really though. like... Strip it straight down and say, is it between Brass Birmingham and Food Chain Magnate? Well, this is the thing, is I feel like if you're going to talk about Splotter stuff and you can talk about Food Chain Magnate, Food Chain Magnate is the obvious choice because I think we've all played it and understand it and stuff. But I do think that actually, in terms of like, God, this is an interesting thing, Roads and Boats is just is just something else because it literally just it is about like economics, but also is about the idea of ownership and, and the ludicrousness of it <laughs> in a way which like nothing else does. Like, but it's again, it's a game that like not everyone here has played. I'm not sure if Ava's played it. It's <laughs> it's um, it's not that it's just big and fiddly. It, it's just, it's really weird. It's definitely the only game where a player can go, okay, I'm going to cut down a tree to make a mine, to go in the mine, get gold, smelt the gold into coins, build a stock exchange to turn the coins into stocks, and your opponent can win by going, I'm going to build a van and drive it to your stock exchange <laughs> and take, take the stocks <laughs> and <laughs> drive away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is like I don't know. I feel like I feel like again. This is not about this is not about good games. But if you told me right that you've never played Brass Birmingham, you you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm a bit upset about that. I've never played Food Chain Magnate. Oh, that is. I feel like I should do that. But if you told me that we had to go back in time, that I'd never played Roads and Boats, I'd be really upset. Um, I feel like it, <laughs> I feel like it has an inordinate space you know in like, my heart. So I've never I've never played Roads and Boats, and I really really want to. So right. maybe that Tom, does Tom, mean how about that it if might... you vote for this, Tom, I'll, I'll play Roads and Boats with you. Uh, it's like a, a oh, bribe. Yeah. No. It's a bribe. <laughs> yeah. can, I, can I get in on that, please? Um, uh, I think that yeah. the key here is actually that, like, I want to put this in here. I'm willing to put Roads and Boats in here because I think it will make people, make it easier to get over the hump of people not playing Roads and Boats with me, which is a problem I've had for a while. <laughs> so Yeah, just point to this podcast. I do now have a copy. I just can't imagine how I would teach it to anyone uh, without crying. It's not even. It's not even that complicated. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Okay, I'm gonna go back to the the argument I've been using throughout this, which is this is not a top ten greatest game. This is list. This is ten games you should play if if possible. Yeah. And like I, I, you know, it's crazy. I think for our tenth game, we're gonna put the game which involves putting two geese into the same hex to generate. <laughs> Like research. No, yeah, you, yeah, you, got, you can't research, ever have yeah. a goose and a piece of paper in the same space without someone to take the idea from them that we'll have. To and, what? Because otherwise, there's just an idea <laughs> let loose, but the goose and the piece of paper do disappear at that point, right? But but all of that goofiness and silliness is like it's it's important it's important not to let that undercut too much because it is so bloody funny and so bloody silly the fact that it is fundamentally a game of being like i'm building my little capitalist empire and i'm trying to build a wall around it and i'm trying to stop other people from taking things but then you just can just people just take stuff and that nothing is anyone's and yeah I think- and it's just so interesting and odd 
it is like it's a combination you know you're right matt it's the first game we've got that involves like economics which is a big part of board games it's and it's a philosophically interesting game that questions why is our society the way that it is you know like like, i'm not even being facetious here like it it helps you to realize so does bonanza (laughs) quins and that's why it's in the list all right You know, you know what, you know what, when we release the 200th episode of the Shut Up and Down podcast is going to do to the resale value of copies of Roads and Boats on eBay. You know what we're about to inflict on the board game community. But again, you don't need to own it. You just need to try it. And you've got like potentially upwards of 50 years to do that. So just like write it on your hand or something and just check it out later. (laughs) Just chill out. Wow. Okay. Um, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Our our definitive asterisk list of ten <laughs> games you should try is if I can have some kind of like uh, heroic music. Under yeah, this of course top. you can. Of course you can. Yeah, heroic. Pandemic sure. Legacy Season One: The Mind, Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition, Crocodile, Bonanza, Tigris and Euphrates, The King's Dilemma Asterisk, A Feast for Odin Brackets, Ava was robbed, Skull, and Roads and Boats. The game with the worst cover art of any board game in, in the history of games. And it somehow stuck in there. Wow, I, I love... I thought by the end of this list we'd get tired and, and worse. But actually, I think our standards are only improved the closer we get to the end of this Don't list. judge a book by its cover. Hmm? That's something someone said so once, isn't it? I was thinking just as, as maybe the final thing that we do uh, on this podcast. I wonder if we should just, just pop on the one pick that we couldn't get on the list each I feel like maybe we should have our little heart pick as an addendum, because I I don't know like is that a good idea? Should we all I have think that's that? A, I think that's nice. I think our, that's our nice. sort of our bonus one thing that that we that so, we feel deserves to be included. So is that you would tell people to, just what do we tell people they should do? Tom, what do you what are you going to tell people? Obviously Not part of the list. Obviously, mine is going to be Undaunted Normandy. That's what I'm going to tell people to give a go. Yeah, I'm going to tell people to play Monikers because I think it's the funniest board game of all time. And the only reason it's not on the list is, I think, because everyone will have played it in some form. Probably <laughs> the best game your parents have played as well that they're mm. not telling you about. I'm uh, very happy to plump for the crew out of all of the various things that didn't quite make it because I said them because I just think it is a game that will make you fall in love with your friends whilst doing yeah. maths. And that is what board games is. <laughs> And Matt, I think uh, I'm going to say Brass Birmingham just because you just don't know how excited you can get about canals and beer until until you've been to that beautifully, <laughs> luxuriously produced beast of a game. Uh, you said like playing Brass Birmingham and realizing that moment of going, well, if I go into debt now, I can own the I can own the Belper Coal Works <laughs> and think of what I'll do then. I'll be the number one source for coal in this particular area of the north of England in 1875. It's just unashamedly... And then you'll realise... It's unashamedly brown, but in such a luxuriously created way. It's just so smoggy and dirty and doesn't try to be like... It's Whoa, more grey, I think, trains. isn't it? Yeah, it's just... But it's... Imagine... It's rich and dirty. Imagine imagine <laughs> being the artist for um, uh, Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire, two of the most beautiful board game productions of all time. And hearing us recommend Roads and Boats. <laughs> yeah. That's life, though. Life comes at you fast. That is the end of the 200th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, where we gave you the top 10 board games you 
should play in huge inverted commas. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, that was fun. Sorry we went for like quite a long time. It's going to be a pretty crunchy edit. Uh, does anyone have any final words they want to say to the audience? Anyone want to say anything celebratory after 200 episodes? I don't want to say anything to the audience, which is probably reflects poorly on me, but I just want to <laughs> thank you three because that was a really fun two hours. That yeah. was a blast. I, I will controversially, I will controversially thank the audience uh, for listening to 200 episodes, presumably all in one sitting. And I think get up, stretch your legs now, go for a little walk. Just keep moving around. It's a good idea. Yeah, but not stretch before you hit this one. If you're doing them in reverse order, you now have to go right back to the beginning before you're allowed to stretch your legs. No, that's yeah. not true. Right that's start. silly. Don't mm. do that. Certainly don't go far enough back into the podcast history that we stop respecting Reinick Knizia and start making fun of him. Yeah. because he's Oh, it'd be like Memento, bad. but with like <laughs> maybe don't. one of us murdered Reinick Knizia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, episode zero, if you're going backwards, is where we kill him. The podcast is both a small and a big part of what we do at Shut Up, Sit Down in addition to the videos and all the other things, but uh, we have an awful lot of fun doing it and we really appreciate people listening to it and enjoying it. So um, keep doing that, if you don't mind, and thanks. And hope you're not too angry yeah. with us about this episode. Oh, bad list. Bad list. Bad list. Bad list. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.